Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Well, I'm very sorry about last week. That's all I yes. wanted to say. And so you should be. Yeah, I've been a bit under the weather and it all just got too much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I just went, ah, I can't do it. And you were like, okay, breathe, breathe. Yeah. We'll just skip a week. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Every, no one yeah. wants to have a mental breakdown. No. no so, and there's no need uh, to. So it was all, yeah. it was all okay. But apologies to anyone who was expecting an episode and yes. didn't get one. Sorry, guys. Um, I was having a moment. <laughs> we're back now, and that's all that matters. Yeah, we're back. Um, and you all right, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I've got a little bit of a cold. Just yeah, small, same. Small cold, yeah. Mm, uh, we, had, we had a nice time in the, the last vestiges of sunshine today, we didn't did. we? We did, yes. We pog. Roasty yeah. toasty, except mm. actually... None of us had a roast apart from Mr. Campus. No. We can't really call that a roast. We went to the pub no. for lunch. Yeah, um, we did. It was nice to see your face. Yes, and, and we also, you know, had took a moment for Her Majesty. We did take a moment for Her Majesty. Yeah. Did we? I d- no, we didn't take a moment for Her Majesty, but we, <laughs> we, did, we, did, we did discuss we. it. We, dis- we, did dis- <laughs> we, we did a bit of discussion. Yeah, um, we discussed how much we liked the spectacle of it. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because... Obviously, it's very sad um, that um, Our Majesty passed away last week, and I'm oh, sure Majesty. there are lots of people. Our Majesty, I'm sure there are oh. lots of people <laughs> listening who the people's who, Majesty, the people's Majesty, <laughs> who have been. You know, it is. It's been a sad time, and lots of people are um, mourning her loss, which we get. Yeah, uh, lots of people aren't, and that's also worthy of remark. And and I think it, that's okay. Yeah, my Instagram feed is 50% people being like, oh, I'm so sad. And 50% people being like, I'm not sad. Yeah. And yeah. both have very valid points. Absolutely. And having grown up in Ireland, I, um, you know, I see all of those points. And I know that yeah. lots of people in Ireland probably aren't 
grieving like we are over here mm-hmm. and that's that's fine you know there's lots of people around the world that possibly aren't grieving um but <laughs> you know and that's okay i'm that's i think that's all you can say about it really because there's so many people on the the queenie monarchy side that are like how dare you and it's like well yeah. it's, it's okay to just remind people that perhaps not everyone is feeling so sad my favorite account um again social media account this during this period has been someone called vulgar drawings who has been um accumulating all the random companies that have posted their sadness about the passing of queen elizabeth ii including Anne summers and And, yeah like various fast food outlets yes Domino's. Um, yeah Domino's has gone big um and it's her commentary is very funny because it is just like why are all these random (laughs) random brands posting about it i guess i don't yeah it's funny as they feel like they have to but would anyone notice if they didn't i don't think they would like you know everyone's just kind of getting on with their however they want to deal with it themselves no one's like why are my favorite brands (laughs) why have they not said anything (laughs) why hasn't Anne summers said anything about the queen (laughs) <laughs> she clearly famously <laughs> modelled all of her lingerie on the Queen's <laughs> negligee. Why? No, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Um, Did you see the um, the video of Gary Lineker's brother's club in Ibiza? Oh my god, you're kidding me! No, hilarious. All these like scantily clad. Um, that he describes them as beef eaters, like sexy beef eaters, but they're not sexy beef eaters because sexy because beef eaters are the people who guard the Tower of London, and mm. these were wearing the big like furry hats. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were they were um, what do we call those soldiers? They, Just... We call them soldiers. Queen's um, guards. Yeah, I think they were the Queen's guards, and now they're the King's guards. Um, but it, anyway, it's it's like if you haven't seen that video, look it up. It is hysterical. Okay, oh well. Just it's just shits and giggles. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a strange, strange old time. It's like, you know, it's weirdly kind of a big moment for people in this country. Um, a bit sad, but also just quite interesting. You know, all the history. Yeah. Yeah, I love all the like people in grey outfits, like super camp outfits, like playing trumpets. Mm. Love like, that. Not love that for them. Before in our lifetime, we've never seen this no. before. What happens when a monarch yeah. dies? So, yeah, yeah. some yeah. great outfits, some great like Penny Mordaunt's massive velvet hairband, Alice band. <laughs> Very Penny. impressed by oh, that. Penny. Um, anyway, I think we should end the Queen the Queen segment by saying <laughs> um, we are with everyone who's saddened by the loss of old Queenie, and um, also equally we see you if you don't mourn the loss as well. Yeah. <laughs> brilliantly but if you people about going into politics mate <laughs> yeah, i considered it once or twice you know do a good pussy bow um pussy bow shirt House. and a strong yeah. suit yeah oblige <laughs> yeah um right who House. are we talking to can you remember wow. who we're talking to oh my god i can't even remember it's been so long it is <laughs> natalie sutherland and sumeya wazani yeah, and they are two people who work in law. So actually, Sumeya used to be a lawyer and now it now works in kind of on the recruitment side. Natalie mm. is a partner at a firm called Burgess Me. Um, and they've both got their own journeys that you will hear about. And they decided to start an event called Infertility in the City, where people mm. can kind of get together and talk about what they've been through. Because I think, you know, I've worked in the city and um, it ain't easy. 
it's a very masculine environment that you don't really want to reveal your feminine kind of vulnerabilities do you yeah and the other Um, thing about natalie is that she is the world's first um fertility officer yes at her her, um, law firm yes which is very uh, she's got a lot of press for that didn't she she did yeah and you know I actually interviewed her for my day job and found her really interesting and also we cried a bit together during that interview oh yeah I can imagine Mm -hmm. um I also find it interesting Sumeya um obviously working in recruitment and trying Mm. to raise the bar in recruitment to make it less of a taboo to talk about this which I think is interesting yeah absolutely so um really interesting chat to listen to especially if you work in kind of law or any kind of high-powered job because um yeah, I mean, when I was going through it at first, I was in the city and it was <laughs> quite challenging. Mm. Um, and then um, we're talking to Professor Tim. Of course, as always. Yeah, as always. And we were asking him whether having had COVID would reduce your embryo quality, which mm-hmm. is something that surely be to God, all of us have had it now, right? Yeah, I mean, God, I don't, I, um, my sister hasn't, I don't think. Hasn't she? No. Wow. She's been very careful. Oh, has she? But even if you're careful, like, even people I know that have been very careful still get it. Yeah. Yeah. My brother, who should have been um, shielding, has (laughs) had it twice. (laughs) So (coughs) there's that. I've had it twice. Maybe three times judging on that cough, Emma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, mate. Good test for this one. Um, so yeah, and that's that's all coming up. And obviously, we'll have our chat, um, mm-hmm. which we will put towards the end of the yes. podcast, time, so you can just time turn off. Notes. Yeah. So after Professor Tim, switch off. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to hear from us. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, you can uh, reach us on Instagram at Big Fat Negative. You can. Call us on Twitter. Call us on Twitter. Give us a quick <laughs> ring. Yeah. Ring our bell at Big Fat Negative. And you can, I don't know, video us on email. <laughs> Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, and also, you can buy our book. Oh my God. It's called Big Fat Negative. It's available at all good bookshops, including my local bookshop in Ramsgate, which I'm very excited about. Oh. Shout out to Book Bodega. I was delighted to see it there on the shelf. Um. <laughs> yeah, and also um, massive amount of love to all the people who've left reviews recently. Like, yes. It's really, really helpful. And if you could continue to leave a nice re- yeah. review for us. If you've got some um, things to say, please do say them. Yeah, we would love that. So please do um, leave a review, if, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, because it kind of helps other people to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've read the book also, please review it on Amazon if you liked it. If you didn't like it, just leave it. It's fine. <laughs> Just don't say anything. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. All right, guys. Um, well, enjoy the episode. Mm-hmm. Natalie and Sumeya, guys, welcome to the podcast. It's really nice to have you on. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. <laughs> the, obviously, the way that we always start this is tell us about your journeys. And Sumeya, should we start with you? Yes, sure. So um, where shall I start? So um, 
2015 is probably when I had um, my first encounter with sort of fertility in fertility challenges. So I had a, um, I suffered a ruptured ectopic pregnancy at work. I was 10 weeks or nine weeks pregnant. Um, it initially had been identified as a missed miscarriage. And then um, I was, I remember sort of vividly telling my boss, I was a practicing lawyer at the time in the city. And I remember telling my boss, you know, I just don't, don't feel quite right. We weren't trying for a baby. I had no idea I was pregnant. Anyway, um, I then did a pregnancy test, discovered I was pregnant, didn't mention anything about it, but started to feel quite ropey. Um, had a bleed, went to the nearest hospital to my workplace and someone fairly junior scanned me. She was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. There's nothing there. You've obviously just had a miscarriage. Go home, bleed for a few weeks and you'll be fine, hopefully. Mm. Um, and things didn't really improve. And then I think about 10 days after that, it was a Saturday. And I remember feeling really unwell at work that entire week. But it was we had trials on. It was crazy busy. And um, I remember saying... Um, to my husband Saturday morning it was about 10 o'clock and I was like I just can't get out of bed I feel so rough and he was like you've been sleeping too long get out of bed move around go and do a workout do something so I went and did an insanity workout do you remember those insanity workouts oh my god <laughs> and um, I did this insanity workout and it was just I remember just thinking yeah this is really taking it out of me today um and then, anyway, lo and behold, on Monday, I went into the office. I was in the office at about 7.45. I was the first one there. And then I was, we had a trial that, that week. And um, there was one of the junior lawyer that came in a couple of minutes, like 10, 15 minutes after me. And I'll never forget, I leant down to like pick up this really heavy lever arch file. And at the same time, I sneezed. And I just felt this like almighty tear. Oh my God. I was like, oh no, that's not good. What, what on earth is that? I thought it was my appendix or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, I went to the loo and realised things weren't as they should be. And so I went to a private hospital very close by because I called my GP and she was like, look, you need to be seen ASAP. I think you might have an ectopic pregnancy from what you're saying. Um, and I had surgery that that day, a couple of hours after, and the consultant that saw me said, you know, you're in a life-threatening condition. You've got 600 mils of dark black blood from what we can see on the scan in your pelvis. That's a sign Christ. of potential infection, oh, etc. Anyway, <clears throat> it was all a bit of a drama and all very, you know, stressful. And um, I then decided... Um, probably I don't know five six weeks after that that I just wanted to leave practice I found law as an industry just not very supportive of situations of that nature back mm. then there wasn't really much talk about well-being I think you know COVID kind of put that all in the spotlight um and yeah I just you know I I, I thought actually my days here are probably done anyway since then I then had um I had three ectopic pregnancies after that um two two more before my son who's five one after my son and then I had um a couple of miscarriages as oh well so it's been fairly tumultuous um you know it's been a bumpy ride but yeah it's um it's it's yeah it's it's it is what it is um I think now one of the projects that I'm really passionate about and and, and so is Natalie's I'm sure she'll tell you is bringing sort of the issue of infertility in the workplace to the forefront mm-hmm. um having left practice I run an executive search firm so I move sort of very senior people around the city and law firms and there's just such little talk of 
infertility, family planning, what it all means. And so yes. we've just been on this crusade to, to mm. you know, make everybody realise that it's not just them and these kind of clandestine yeah. appointments and journeys and you know, it, it all needs to end and we need to talk about it. Um, just really quickly, for ectopic pregnancies, I'm pretty sure that most listeners will be like, oh, you can have a maximum of two because one in each tube. How do you have four? Because um, they don't always have to be in the fallopian tube. Mine were in the fallopian tube, but they can right. resolve themselves. So okay. um, just because you had, I had a, an ectopic pregnancy, one that ruptured in my right tube and two that, that were in my left tube. But if you're, you know, you're lucky enough, they will just resolve themselves under conservative management and you can be fine. But really interestingly, and I'm obviously not giving medical advice, but um, my fertility doctor, no one's ever told me this before, but my fertility doctor told me that women that have a really high NK cell count are more prone to ectopic pregnancies because the only place in the female body where there's no NK cells is the fallopian tubes. Oh, that is really interesting, isn't it? Interesting. That's fascinating. Samaya, thank you. Um, Natalie, I've heard yours before and I cried last time, so (laughs) excited for this time. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, so I had a wonderful pregnancy with my first daughter, Delilah. And um, so I and I was 36. So I was probably already sort of towards the end of your fertility. I was I was very lucky at that point. But then we got pregnant again, um, naturally in 2018. But I had a miscarriage, so I went for my 12-week scan and the baby was basically, there was no baby, it was six weeks, um, the baby would have died. I'd, I'd been bleeding that that week, that sixth week. Mm-hmm. I went to the EPU and, um, yeah, they basically said, there's nothing we can do, we just have to wait and, and hope for the best and keep an eye on it. And, um, and I stopped bleeding, but I still felt pregnant. So, you know, when you kind of cling on to those feelings, yeah. so this time I really felt sick and I, I hadn't had any of those feelings with Delilah. I had this weird craving for red meat and jelly sweets. So <laughs> I, I was not weird, but, um, but yeah, so I was still feeling sick. I was feel, still feeling tired and really clinging on to this, but there was something nagging me that felt that there was it wasn't quite right and I, and I don't know at the time what what that was and I'd never really heard of miss miscarriage so uh, when I went to the scan and yeah they said um are you sure you're 12 weeks which automatically makes me think well yeah can't you see mm-hmm. <laughs> and um yeah so that that's when the poor um sonographer has to go and get the doctor and you get told there's no heartbeat and um yeah and this feral noise comes out of you and then you're ushered into this room and they leave you alone for a very very long time mm-hmm. and your world has crashed and all that timeline that you've been thinking about so you know the what we're going to have when we have two babies and, and all that kind of stuff it just ends and it really it was very very upsetting but for me what the sort of subsequently what happened is all of the complications that, that um uh, carried on from that yeah so we've never, we don't I don't think we've really talked about this kind of thing on this podcast before like well, what happens next so they give you various options so um expectant management is literally where you just, you just go off and they wait for the body to do do what it yeah. needs to do mm-hmm. and um so and I was having to go back home my nana died so I was like right well let's let's just I'm doing nothing right Don't now I'm not going to hospital now so um so we did nothing um so this was April but by May 
I was still testing positive, so nothing had happened. And um, so uh, then it's medical management. So oh, yeah. the uh, sort of the pessaries, and you and you go into mm-hmm. hospital. They give you these tablets, then you, you go away, and then you come back the next day and stay overnight. That's so painful and really quite disgusting. So um, so they're just basically watching and waiting for you to to pass the um, the product. And mm. um, and that's that was that was awful. And again, I was scanned and. Um, they they could still see that there was this retained product and i mean there's the dnc that's an option but i've got fibroids as well so i think they were like no 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 we're not going to do that for fibroids so then i had the med, um the surgical management so the erpc um so that was my first general anesthetic um, and I went on to have like three other operations, so four in total in eight months. I've never, I've never oh had done before, but I'd had all these various um, su- surgeries subsequently. So, um, so this is now July. I have the um, yes, yeah, so I ha- have the surgery, and then I'm still testing positive for pregnancy. But that now they're like, well, we've got everything, so you'll just wait and you'll get your period. And um, so in the August, I thought what I was getting was my period but this was so heavy and um yeah it was really quite shocking so 20 minutes uh, where it's just this is gonna sound really disgusting but you know just gushing out of you and mm-hmm. it was really a description here <laughs> but I was so shocked I was like what is this I'm you know this is not a period so um so you know in my naivety I just thought well maybe this is the end this is this is now the end of my miscarriage and I'll go back back to normal but then September, it was happening again. Oh, so, and, and this was, you know, constant now. And I was, I was basically waking up in, in piles of blood, and oh, um, yeah. And I had to um, when I go to the toilet. Then um, I think one time I passed out from the blood mm. loss, and it was my daughter who was shouting "Mummy, Mummy, Mummy" from her bed that um, that sort of brought me round. And uh, she's two and she came in and she was like, mommy, there's blood everywhere again because she'd seen it before. But um, yeah, she went to go and get my phone so I could call the ambulance and call my mother. And she got me a pillow to put under my head. I literally could not get off, up off the floor and sat and held my hand until my mum got there. Aww. So, um, yeah, my little hero. And um, yeah, so anyway, so I went to, to the hospital and they couldn't work out what was wrong with me. I then had a hysteroscopy, which is an internal camera. And again, they, you know, they said, well, it's not the fibroids that's causing it and there's no product anymore. So um, I was diagnosed with dysfunctional uterine, I know it's horrible, isn't it? (laughs) Dysfunctional uterine bleeding. And um, and they basically said, well, to get rid of this, you need to either need to get pregnant, which of course I was desperate to do, but um, but that, that wasn't happening. Put in the coil. Um, again, didn't want to do that because that would stop me getting pregnant or have a hysterectomy. And I was 39 and I was like, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't want that. So, so these are all pretty dire options. And mm. I was about to, um, you know, try and get another second opinion. And then that following Friday, I was back in hospital again. And this time it was really, really serious. So I was, um, you know, upside down on the bed because I was about to pass out. I'd had morphine. They called the gynecologist and um, I was rushed into surgery and they put the coil in. And that stopped the bleeding. And apparently that was miraculous because the doctor was not expecting that to happen. They were just going to do it. And she told my mother, 
you know she, she'll have a hysterectomy so um yeah but I came out I came I came to and the anaesthetist said I still have my womb and everyone kept saying oh you look so much better you look so much better and I hadn't I was like is it that bad I mean was I that bad my mother said I was more yellow than her own mother was on her deathbed I'd lost so much blood and um yeah so a nurse told me later on that weekend because I spent the weekend in hospital that I um they had a crash crash team ready a crash car whatever it was so um they thought they were going to lose me that I was bleeding out so much so but this coil had would been put in to stop the bleeding it, it had stopped the bleeding I had um four pints of blood transfused that weekend and then just had to deal with the fact that I couldn't get pregnant for another you know 12 months or whatever because it was in for 12 months and um but then so now I'm over 40 and we haven't been able to get pregnant since. So it's out now. But mm. um, yeah, so secondary infertility, because um, there's no other, there's no other, apart from obviously I'm older now. But um, yeah, yeah, so, but I, but for me as well, it's it's all a lot of the um, po- um, post-traumatic stress disorder. So, yeah, you know, that's fear of going anywhere near a hospital again. So, mm. and potentially miscarrying and my eggs are older and just all of that just freaks me out so um so we have um you know between us we've made this decision that we were going to stop trying which was you know really difficult to make and I I go off it and go on it again all the time whenever I see babies I'm like no 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 I want another one I want another one (laughs) But, but yeah but no we've um if it happens naturally, it happens, you know, and that would be amazing. But otherwise, it's just um, just trying to come to terms with the fact that it's probably not going to happen now. Nasty, mm. can I ask you, do they know what caused um, the issue? No, no. I mean, my, um, yeah, I think when they say dysfunctional, they kind of just don't know. That's such lovely words again, isn't yeah. it? Goodness yeah, me. Also, I just think it's bullshit that you're like hemorrhaging and they're like, mm, we don't know where it's coming from. Well, they thought it might be the fibroids, and like I said, they did, they did the hysteroscopy to to check that. But they were all in different, you know, not in the places they would have expected them to be to cause the bleeding. I think they were outside the womb. So, um, so yeah, so no idea why I was hemorrhaging so badly, and uh, yeah, it was really quite shocking and um, a lot a lot to deal with. I look back on it now and think how how the hell I got through that, um, and mm. I don't want to do that ever again. No, fair enough. <laughs> so you, I mean, you guys both work in law. Um, and Samaya, you kind of mentioned there that you, you know, you realised that law was not not a good place to be if you were experiencing this kind of thing. Can you talk a little bit about your experiences of the kind of thing that you witnessed while you were working in the sector? In terms of my own personal experience, um, when I um, had the first ectopic I mentioned to you, so it just so happened to be that it was sort of almost Christmas just just before having the ectopic and then afterwards. So I was able to take sort of a couple of weeks off um, because it just tied in with when the office was closed, etc. But I, I, I remember vividly, and it was one of the things that made me think actually my time in law is, is done, um, when I returned, it was my first week back. And I think it was that I, we returned on like the Tuesday and I think it was the Thursday. I had a follow up appointment with my doctor and, um, and I just wanted to check sort of everything was healing all right internally. And it was and I, I sort of tried to get the very last appointment I could because 
you just feel this obligation to make sure you're always pulling your weight. And I can say, I just actually had some fairly serious surgery internally. I'm sorry, but I've got to go. You know, you just, mm. you just can't have that conversation. Um, and it was like quarter past six. And one of the male partners in the team came and sort of dropped this piece of work on my desk um, at about five o'clock and said, you know, we really need to get this out today. And I said, well, look, I'll do my best, but I've got to be, I've got to be at my doctor's appointment for quarter past six. And I, realistically, that means I need to leave here for half past five. And uh, he just, well, haven't you just had two weeks off and sort of just slammed the door? Oh and God, I thought, but what, what, you know, that, that was my personal experience. And, you know, I remember looking around me, I didn't see a great deal of senior female role models that made me think, actually, I can pursue my career and at the same time, pursue my family goals. And, and at that point, you know, having a baby wasn't actually on my radar. It wasn't on my husband's radar, but I knew that it would be something that would be, um, yeah. But actually, now that I'm on the other side, now that I sort of work in law, but moving people around the legal industry, I've certainly seen an evolution over the last probably four or five years for the better. But it's still an incredibly old fashioned industry where those at the top are, you know, they're white, they're male, they're middle aged. They don't really understand the struggle that is the female mental load, that is, you know, a biological clock. They don't really understand things around, you know, what fertility planning can mean. They really have no idea what it can mean for someone that's undergoing fertility treatment and just how horrendous that is. I, I always I always talk about the amazing um, senior female lawyer that I worked with that had an egg retrieval in the morning and then took a transatlantic flight that afternoon. Wow. You know, and it's, and, and it's that sort of thing where, if you're going to prove yourself and if you're going to justify your place in that team at that firm earning that kind of money, then, you know, really you need to kind of, there is this unspoken rule almost that anything to do with family planning is secondary and you just have to kind of suck it up. But as I say, there's definitely yeah. been an evolution. Things are improving. Yeah. It's interesting because we, so one of the things I was going to ask you guys about was that we interviewed Jane Angadia, who used to be the CEO of Virgin Money. Like she was one of the most kind of senior women in the city of London mm. um, back in our first series. And she talked about doing things like that, egg collection in the morning, like heading off to America in the afternoon. Mm. Um, and I just thought, I, I think Gabs, we were both kind of really struck by like what women in those positions used to have mm. to endure. But I did think it was used to have to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think it has improved. But and, and the thing is, I mean, all of this like chronic pressure and stress and fatigue is just so not conducive to a pregnancy outcome, whether it's natural or via, you know, assisted means. Um, mm. But I think that women have just had enough and, you know, they they, they realise there are people that are going to kind of, you know, be fairly bold about it all and, and just actually throw their hands in the air and say, you know, I'm done with this. Let's have a conversation. Fuck it. Exactly. <laughs> Natalie, what's your experience been like? Well, I'm now a partner at Burgess Me and I have younger junior solicitors who um, assist on my cases, on, on all the other partners' cases. And as is the, pretty much the norm in family law, they are women and um, they, um, they are late 20s, early 30s, and some are getting married, some are in long term relationships. And you can just see that motherhood is on the horizon. 
And um, so bringing bringing my experience to to my firm when I joined, and I was really very open about my experience with my miscarriage and and wanting there to be a, a bit more of an open culture in our firm because I you know I knew these 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 young women were probably going to want to have babies. You know, they confided in me that they m- may have trouble, and I didn't want them to worry about their careers whilst also worrying about their you know family life because we just want I well I certainly wanted and my partners supported that to you know recognize that lawyers are fully rounded human beings and they have a life outside of work they have families and they're not just robots in 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 the the work doing the nine to five or much longer hours than that that we do Mm. and um and if you're going to have struggles especially if you are needing IVF or anything like that or having a miscarriage where you're going to need to to go to lots of appointments to deal with it that you don't want to be worrying about the um, impression that that's giving to your bosses. You want to feel supported. So that's that's kind of where I was coming from in terms of wanting to make a difference. Kind of carry on with that story because the next thing that happened was that you were named the world's first fertility officer. <laughs> it goes from the UK's first to the world's first and it always <laughs> makes me chuckle. But, yeah. um... What is it? Is it, is it the world's first? Oh, no idea. It's a global first. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, having had this conversation, I basically said, you know, this this is what I'd like to achieve. But I didn't I didn't have the words for it. I didn't know uh, what how, what that would look like. But I certainly knew it was a top down. It was getting the partners on board. And it was Pete and Antonia that basically said, well, why don't you be our fertility officer? And as soon as they said that, I was like, oh, that's, that's so obvious, so simple. And um, and definitely I could do that. Um, so we have a wellness officer, Kirsty, and she does that brilliantly. She uh, That was put in place when we were having the pandemic and everyone was working from home. And you want to make sure that all of your junior staff that are working from their bedrooms or everything are, are feeling supported and they're looked after. And if they've got any problems, they've got a dedicated partner to talk to. But on the fertility side of things, where I'd had this my own experience plus I also do fertility and surrogacy law so I deal with clients who deal who have these experiences as well mm. and um and yeah so it just made sense that that it would be me who who was doing that so we, we rolled that out and um that you know it had a very good reception yeah. and then we talked about it at our infertility in the city first event yeah. in December yeah I was about to ask you about that one <laughs> tell us about that nice segue <laughs> <laughs> So uh, having 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 these experiences and um, meeting with Samaya, we, we'd met um, a few years earlier at, at an event and she had written an article about fertility benefits. And mm. I responded to that to basically say, well, you know, this this is all, I mean, this is great and all very well and good. But, you know, we definitely need to, to change this culture. And over the pandemic, a lot of lawyers were talking about wellness and making sure that lawyers were were being more mindful and putting up boundaries and not just burning out. And we both agreed that we kind of needed this conversation for fertility as well. So we had uh, we had a coffee and that's when we shared the stories that we've just shared with you mm. and um, I knew that, you know, we wanted to do something about it. So um, we put together this event and that, you know, Samaya came up with this fantastic name and uh, we put it on in like, I think it was two months to the day. We had this fantastic panel of lawyers and coaches, fertility coaches. We had an in-house lawyer from Channel 4. 
and they all talked about their own personal experiences. And what we find is that everybody comes at it with a very unique perspective, but there's obviously all these similarities and people can um, really latch onto that. And we had about 60 odd people in our first event and it was just before Omicron hit and, um, and you know, it was very, very successful. Mm. And because we wrote about it, Samira and I wrote this article in Bio News, which was picked up by the Mail on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, because we'd written about this fertility officer role, because we talked about it in the first event, we wanted other law firms to take it on and, and you know, bring that concept to their own firms. We wanted yeah. it to impact not just our firm, but other law firms as well. And that's kind of where we were starting in law firms. And um, so, yeah, so he, he, he emailed me and we had a chat about it. And I, like, and I knew there was going to be an article about the decline in the birth rate. And yeah. um, and he'd asked me if the fertility officer of anyone else was doing it. And I'd said, you know, I don't think so. I've not heard of it. Um, but certainly people are wanting to do it because we'd had this great feedback after the event. And um, and that Sunday, I have my picture in the paper. So um, <laughs> talking about it and he, you know, said the UK's first and that was it then. I mean, I think that was a bit of a hook. And then um, <laughs> it got picked up by you know, the Times and uh, the Telegraph. And then you guys got in touch. Emma, you got in touch with New Statesman. And then I was on Women's Hour. So it all kind of snowballed. (laughs) It was amazing. So, but yeah, but but from that, we've had our second event as well in July, and we doubled our numbers. We had about 120 there. We had seven on the panel, and yeah, it's it's been absolutely incredible. What I'm intrigued about is what what kind of people are coming to this event, right? Are you getting older women as well, or is it generally kind of you know women of reproductive age? Hmm, What do you think? I think it's a t- yeah t- total mix. I think um, it's young young sort of lawyers in the city that are concerned about it. I think it's young lawyers in the city that don't have any concerns as yet, but are wanting to sort of make sure they're armed with information should they have any problems. I think hmm. it's that kind of typical demographic, kind of mid thirties to mid forties women who have started thinking about fertility and actually this you know it's a much harder journey than they envisaged at the second event we had um certainly a lot more men attend and we were quite proactive about that actually and we also had a lot more sort of very senior level Mm. um (laughs) law firm people so you know managing partners senior partners people that are head of hr and hr directors and recruitment directors and and that kind of individual because actually they have you know, significant influence in the organisations that they're at. And so they yeah. can take on a lot of what um, we were talking about. And I think what's just made it such a resounding success is that mm. everybody on the panel has had a very personal experience mm-hmm. with fertility, whether that be someone that's never had any fertility challenges per se, but has wanted to freeze their eggs because at that point in their life personally they just they weren't you know in a relationship and able to have a family or whether they're actually they've had recurrent you know miscarriage recurrent fertility failure etc and so I I think it just hits different the messaging hits different when it's coming from people that have had those experiences. Do you think there's an element of um, city firms kind of waking up to this because there's also been like um, quite a lot of city firms following tech giants by offering like fertility benefits like egg freezing and IVF and stuff like that do you do you see that as well do you think it's something that should be routinely offered or is it has it kind of got a a bit of a less than altruistic tendency to it in trying to trying to make sure women are sticking around a bit longer 
I, I don't think law firms do anything for anything for, for, for no good reason, <laughs> frankly. You know, their businesses and ultimately bottom line is what they're thinking about. You know, that's just, that's my view. Um, and I think they realise that they have to be more, that I think they're being responsive now rather than proactive about it. And initially the sort of the really top law firms were offering fertility MOTs, I hate that phrase, but they were offering fertility MOTs, so basically yeah. fertility investigations, and they were offering um, support with, so financial support with things like egg freezing. And Natalie and I have always said that we think that kind of lulls people into a false sense of security and mm-hmm. it's not the yeah. right thing. But I think actually they're being a lot more holistic about it now. So they're offering things like, um, you know, sort of coaching for fertility. So you've got people like Emma Menzies, who is, you know, a coach, but she specialises in fertility at work issues. You've got organisations like Fatifa, which provide, you know, a whole host of um, benefits for for men and women undergoing fertility treatment in the workplace. And so I think, yeah, they're, they're doing it because they need to respond because their competitors are doing it and they've got to keep the finger on the pulse. It's just literally competition <laughs> and attraction and retention of staff. And I yeah. think it's really good for because uh, these things are really expensive. So mm-hmm. if you have an yeah. employer who's offering it as a work benefit, then I think that's a really good thing because, mm. you know, it kind of, you know, the cost of it prices so many people out of it as as an option. But also with things like egg freezing, you have to do your research. You have to know yeah. that you should be young and not all, or not at the sort of older age. And um, and you have to understand that there's not always going to, it's not a guarantee. It's not an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as long as you go into it with your um, your eyes wide open and you know what you're getting, getting yourself in for, and that you, and you were still making other decisions about your facility and not just relying on that in the back of your mind and and, and, and just giving all of your fertility f- fertile years to your employer mm. then you can you yourself will benefit from that mm. yeah yeah that's an interesting way to think about it i can't i still can't decide whether i'm creeped out by like google doing it or not two more questions before you before you go and thank you so much for sharing your stories with us because i think it's really important to just talk about we, we talk a lot about fertility in the workplace, but I think there's certain workplaces where it's harder than others. And the law is really hard because you have things like court dates that you can't avoid, right? And, you know, it's just some some industries are less flexible than others and the law is probably right down there um, with like submariners. Um, so I guess bef- just before you go, um, what advice would you guys give to to a woman who's struggling to balance quite a high powered, like high demand career with her fertility? I I would say be aware of your very type A characteristics because from what I've seen from the sort of really senior women that I work with, you know, generally women in high power positions, you know, it's high performance culture, it's high stress culture, and that does attract a certain profile. And if you're that typical type A, you know, you like, you're very organized, you like the list, you're in control, you're used to having you know, you set your mind to something and you smash it and you exceed exceed and excel, that same kind of pattern doesn't follow your personal life always. And so actually, if you're finding that in terms of your fertility journey, you're just not having the same traction, there comes a point where you have to just stop and ask for help. And that means taking personal responsibility. So one thing being asking for that help and reaching out. And secondly, actually just having the confidence to say, I can't take on that piece of work or, you know, I can't, you know, this isn't the right time for me to do X, Y, Z, because actually now I realise that I, I, you know, I I need to focus on 
focus on this aspect of my life and there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that it's all about it's all about balance and you know if you've managed to get yourself to a certain position where you know you you have that pressure that power that you know that package there's no reason why a momentary pause or even if it's not a pause you know you're running that side by side with your career you're going to suffer any you know any any professional harm I think yes it does happen and it did happen but I'm always so surprised with the female lawyers that I work with who actually demand and call in what they think they deserve and usually the response from from the from the law firms is a very positive one because they realize they don't want to lose that person mm. they'll do whatever they can That's to really keep them yeah I love that recognition of the type a person <laughs> needing to just recognize <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, Natalie, how about you? What's your piece of advice? So so for me, I think people are talking about it more now. And just a couple of years ago, I, I, I didn't know anything about infertility. And you don't know anything about it until you go through it. But once you have gone through it, if you if you share your experience, you'll often find so many people who've been there um, through it themselves, very similar experiences. And there is a um, there's an uplift. There's there's benefit to have from have from that and if you if you lead by example what you're doing is you're creating the confidence for other people to share and the more we share the more the louder this conversation gets and the more we can demand in terms of support and you know legal protection I mean I'm I'm working with um, Nikki Aiken MP at the moment to try and change employment law so that everybody gets the right to have time off for fertility treatment rather than just relying on employers having it as part of their own policies so things are definitely changing but it requires people to um, to not be silent and not feel that shame it's not shameful Um, we are going through something hideous but we are in it together that's a lovely lovely answer and as a final question ladies can you tell us about your podcast ah. <laughs> yeah so we the three of us so, uh, myself Samaya and Emma Menzies um, we have decided that we are going to launch a podcast called Infertility in the City um, hopefully we are going to be launching end of September early October it is going to be focusing on the intersection between infertility and work so that's going to be very much our niche and it follows on from the events that we've been um, been running and hopefully we'll do more of in the future but now we just want to do what you guys do and talk to loads of people and be able to put that content out there so so that um, we help inspire other people too. Excellent work. We'll listen out for it. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so nice to talk to you both. Thank, thank you so much. So much. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now it's time for IVF. What the uh, lovely? Oh, that's a short one. That's a short yeah, little note I there. I thought that would be quite fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're talking about COVID. We are. I know. That little thing does not want to leave us. No one's been talking about COVID for ages, have they? It feels like it's yeah. like gone. Yeah, it hasn't gone. It hasn't, hasn't gone. gone. Um, no. I had COVID the cycle before my most recent IVF cycle. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, did quite a lot of Googling to be like, was this bad? Because somebody that I follow on Instagram told her clinic that she had it a cycle before her IVF cycle, and they said mm. that she had to cancel it. Really? Was she doing a collection though? No. Oh. Because yeah, you right? had a frozen embryo transfer. Yeah, I had an embryo transfer. So I was like, uh, minimal risk. And I was Googling it and it seemed like minimal risk. Yeah, Although yeah, quite hard yeah. to find any information, if we're being honest. Well, well, of course, no one knows, right? Yeah, exactly. So No one's done the COVID impact on endometrial surfaces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we shall see. Yes. Um, however, Professor Tim will give us his opinion. Yes. So back in 2020, at the start of the pandemic, there were obviously lots of concerns about the effects of COVID on fertility uh, and pregnancy. And that's why the HFEA stopped um, treatment cycles in the UK for a couple of months. Um, Since then, the data has really shown that I I don't think we need to be concerned about um, COVID and egg sperm or embryo quality. And certainly we haven't noticed the change in success rates, despite obviously lots of our patients having had COVID over the last two years and then gone on to have IVF. Um, The national guidance is that if you have COVID, then it's worth getting over the COVID before going into treatment and taking drugs. Partly that's because um, you want to be sure that you've recovered from COVID before you have the anaesthetic for the egg collection. and also, I think for, for, for men, if you've had COVID and, you're, and you've been very unwell with it, with a fever, then we know that that can affect, or any fever can affect sperm production. So it's worth sort of making sure that things have settled down before you come through for um, treatment. The main problem with COVID is if you catch it during pregnancy. So women, so pregnant women who catch COVID can get very, very sick, even if beforehand they were absolutely fine, before pregnancy if they were fine. And that is why um, it is still strongly recommended that people get vaccinated against COVID, particularly, I have to say, if you plan to be heading into pregnancy. My friends who run ITU units will all say that the sickest patients they've had, sickest sort of um, reproductive age patients they've had have been those that have been pregnant, particularly in the third trimester and have caught COVID. So I think continuing with the vaccinations is very important. Hey, 
Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm better. Yeah? Yeah. Good, like, good, good, good. Yeah, it's been a funny old week. It's been like, um, you know, the classic, I mean, we talked about it last week, but the classic three-week wait, kind of being in limbo, like, I don't know, what's going on in there kind of vibes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how are you, how, are you cap- how are you coping with that? Um, I was coping fine. Well, like, as I said last week, right, I was in so much pain that I wasn't really thinking or worrying Yeah. about this stuff. Um, but now I'm, like, the pain really seems to have subsided a lot. It hasn't gone away completely. But, like, it's not anywhere near as bad as it was. That's um, so weird, isn't it? What What is it that was causing it to be so bad at that point? I, I wonder. Know. I know. I really want to. I'm going to grill the consultant when I next see her and be like, "What the fuck was going on?" Yeah. Like, and and it's still like, there's times when it's quite bad, but like you know, this time last week I was taking paracetamol, like five doses a day, which is one dose too many. Um, mm. you know, I was just thinking back to when I went to the um the urgent care center. And I was like doubled over. I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand mm. up straight. Mm. Um, and I'm not in that situation anymore. But I'm still getting like a lot of, like some in the middle of the night, especially it kind of radiates down my left leg. And um, God, yeah, that's... and like I am still taking maybe one or two doses a day of paracetamol. Mm-hmm. And obviously like in the middle of the night, the other night when I was lying awake, thinking about it, I Googled paracetamol in pregnancy and there was like a meta-analysis of a load of studies showing like it can cause all these problems for your baby you shouldn't take paracetamol and paracetamol is like the only thing you can take yeah so I like obviously lost it like freaked out I'd I've been taking so many um and yeah and what's been your what's been your response to that have you found out any more or have you just it's, it's interesting because I went to a thing um, the next day and saw a friend and was like, oh, yeah, I've just seen, I just read this thing. She was like, how many studies are there? How good is it? What journal is it in? And I was like, thank you for asking those questions because that really grounds you. Like if it's a shitty study, then it doesn't matter. But I don't know. It was like a meta-analysis of lots of different papers. And it showed that it like increases all these kind of neurological disorders. And it obviously doesn't do that it it does it if you're taking it to excess but I was taking it to excess so that then obviously I was like I'm gonna stop taking paracetamol and I was in so much pain for a couple of days Mm. I don't know maybe I've like got used to it got used to the pain a bit I don't know but um, yeah but your doctor did say you could take it so yeah because yeah because she probably doesn't stay up at three o'clock in the morning googling like probably Yeah. I hope doctors don't do that. No. Yeah, they probably just, like, get their knowledge from normal channels. <laughs> what are normal channels these yeah. days, though? Google yeah, is a normal channel these days. Um, yeah. Mate, I'm so sorry of all this. It's, it's shit. Yeah, but it's okay. It's, it was taking my mind off it, and now I'm just worrying, like, what's going on in there. And last mm. night I just had this, like, massive premonition that it's not going to work out, and, you know, we're going to go, and there's going to be no heartbeat. Um, which ha- has happened to so many people we know, right? It's mm-hmm. happened to so many people that we've interviewed. Mm-hmm. I just had this massive, like, I think it's the first time I've, like, kind of been punched in the face by reality, like, what could happen? 
because other than the like extreme pain I'm not really getting any symptoms which is absolutely normal yeah you know I'm ridiculously tired but that's because I'm not sleeping very well at the moment because it's really hot Mm -hmm. um so you know it just there's a lot of like there's also a lot of like is this the pregnancy is this like normal pregnancy stuff or is this the the cyst of doom the fist cyst the fist cyst Ugh, so um, yeah yeah. It, yeah it is confusing right because you do have this double thing going on both yeah. causing side effects yeah right so yesterday I got like um quite bad just like cramps like uterine cramps which is slightly different to the cyst which causes like more pain on the left side mm. and I was like oh I wonder what that is like is that part of what's that part mm. of and I've been getting quite a lot of lower back pain and I'm like, oh, is that to do with this or is it the pregnancy or what is it? Um, so there's a lot of like, yeah, I just I just don't feel like, and I, I know this is such a kind of um, a cliche at this stage, but I don't feel like I'm pregnant. I don't get any kind of, I keep having to remind myself when I'm like about to drink some wine or something. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm sure... It doesn't kick in for a while, does it? The no. the, the feelings. Um, no. It is just now, just a bit like kind of just detached. It's like, yeah. um, you know, it is. It's a concept more than a reality for you at the moment, and yeah. your reality is definitely the cyst. <laughs> the cyst is causing you a lot of jip. Yeah, it's causing um, me jip. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah, so that's that's what's going on with me. It's just like okay. it's the usual, just like ramblings of a mad woman while I wait for this bloody scan. But I tell you what, this time a lot in my last pregnancy, um, I'd already had th- three scans. <laughs> oh yeah, because you'd had a load of bleeding by this point, right? Yeah, and I've only had one this time, and it wasn't even looking for anything. It was looking for the cyst. Oh, so no subchorionic hematoma that we can detect so far no not so far yeah but obviously you know we were talking about car fest earlier and we were at car fest the other day and I had suddenly got this kind of cramping and like felt a bit moist that's such a gross thing to say but you know my knickers felt wet and I was like oh that's it I'm losing it now mm. went to the blood, so that was a good thing that is good but it's funny how that like sense of doom is creeping yeah in. it's your instant it's thing yeah yeah Oh, mate. Well, yeah. I think let's just keep plodding on. It's all you can do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just wait and see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, I've got two weeks to wait. Another. Oh, two weeks. Yeah, but I think probably you guys will only have one week to wait. So that's nice, isn't it? Because we're we're recording (laughs) a week ahead. Yeah. Oh, news coming in just a week for you guys. Um, yes, we are. Um, so, well, okay. Well, I'll do what I can to keep you occupied in the next two weeks. Thanks, mate. Um, if something very dramatic happens, then obviously we'll record. But um, right now, yeah. I mean, it's kind of boring, really. Just me being like, ow, 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 oh, ow, ow. Is that a bad ow? ow. Or a good ow or a yeah, medium exactly. bad ow? Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. Uh huh. I'm lucky. What you been up to? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thanks. I'm good. I am not having anywhere near as a dramatic a time as you. Um, 
The worst thing that happened to me last week was that my dress that I got made for Carfest was too small. Because a few people have been on Instagram going, but I thought you had a dress made. And I was like, well, I did. And I got it home. I was so confident that it was going to look good. I didn't even try it on in store. And then I got it home and it was too tight and I was gutted. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to wear now? And then I felt silly. I felt silly that I'd had a dress made in the first place. But I guess the thing is, really, you know, in the whole thing, scheme of things, I've now got, I can go back in and have it made again. Yeah. And it's going to be used for something else. I'll just have to make up another event. Can somebody do something in, like, you know, like the next few months that I can wear this dress to, please? Yeah. It's quite summery, isn't it? It's a bit summery, yeah. But I'm thinking I might tone it down. Okay. Like make a more autumnal colour. Yeah, do you know what it would be it would look really nice if it was if you wore it with like some thick tights and some big chunky boots and a big right? chunky cardigan. Okay, yeah. If I had it like a wine coloured as opposed to bubblegum colour, which is yeah, that's true. um so I think I'm going autumnal. I've got a wedding in October. I think we could be Sweet. okay gonna be okay. It's not gonna be a okay. complete waste of my money and my time. <laughs> Great, okay. Um, in other news, I uh, watched the first episode of the new Game of Thrones thing, whatever it's called, oh, yeah. House of Dragon. Yeah. yeah. And I just wanted to say now, if anyone is thinking about having children, and in fact, actually, anyone who's in the infertility community probably shouldn't watch it either. Yeah. Um, anyone that's pregnant, don't watch it. Definitely anyone that's lost a baby, don't watch it. It was it was a lot. Yeah. So you warned me about that bit and I skipped through it. And I was fine. Oh, did you? Yeah. You watched I it? Through the, yeah, oh. I skipped through the like really horrible looking bit. I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. Oh, I can, I can guess what's about to happen. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. 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 Um, what else? That's kind of it really, to be honest. I don't know mm. any other news. God, I'm <laughs> dull, aren't I? What a week. What a week we've had. Me just lying in bed, Googling, can I take paracetamol? And you having a dress that's too small. Yeah, we should definitely broad- wow. be broadcasting about our lives. Oh, actually, wait, wait, wait! I've got quite big news. Fucking hell! <gasps> I think I'm I know what this is. Botox on Wednesday, guys. B to Mate. the O to the ox in my forehead. I'm quite excited. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm so it's happening. To it's see funny. it. I know, but do you know what happened, right? So I was in the hairdressers. Um, I got my hair cut short and more blonded. And I said to the girl who is, I'd say, 23 or 24, yeah. um, I said to her, oh, you know, the reason I'm growing out my fringe is because um, I think I've decided to get Botox. So, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've just decided to just do it. Um, and she was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I get it all over my forehead. And I was like, oh, my God. I thought she was about to say, oh, you're too young for Botox. But she, no, <laughs> she's, she's been getting it for years. She's 23 or 24. Oh, my God. I know. What? I'm like, oh right. She's like, prevention's better than cure. I, I like, thought they recently proved that that's not true. That that's not I, a thing. I, I think that theory means that you end up paying a lot for Botox over your lifetime. Yeah, I think that's I think what it, that is. I think it's correct that I'm just going to get some now. Yeah, I think it is correct too. Also, I don't think you need it. I think you're beautiful as you are. You have to but, say that, mate. I appreciate that, but it's yeah. f- for myself. I would. But like if it, it looks good, I'm getting some. <laughs> you're gonna wait and see what happens to my forehead yeah what if you get like wonky eyebrows 
Who who knows? Who knows? What if I can't make any of my funny expressions anymore? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. my big news. That is my big news, isn't it? Really, let's be honest. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see the results. Yeah, I'll share everything next week, guys, including photos. <laughs> right, mate. Well, All right. Um, see you next week. See you next week. guys um if you listened all the way through thank you i hope that was okay yeah still have you here yeah good to have you here um next week you'll be hearing about the seven week scan oh my god um so that'll be fun won't it uh-huh 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 um so yeah um we're actually talking the night before i go for mine so yes we are yeah I would say pissing myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm really quite nervous. Who are you? You seem seem to chill earlier. Yeah, I mean, I think the closer it gets, the more nervous I get. Because I just, it just seems like, why wouldn't it all come crashing down? Mm. Anyway, so that's what we'll be doing next week. So um, we'll see you then. Yeah, speak to you then, guys. I will have a mystery guest. All to be revealed. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye now. See you next week. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in 3 years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly 3 years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.